And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. He's Alex Donald. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Okay, we've been better. I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been better. Yeah, you, you notice I'm I'm repping the Azzurri today for as embarrassing as they've been for a while. I, I'm a little bit too embarrassed to rep Inter today. I obviously, if I were a Milan fan, I'd be embarrassed to rep Milan. Basically, it seems like only Napoli supporters and Laziali are, are happy today. Everyone else is miserable, including Juventini, because they're 15 points docked now. So it's a big pity party tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, Juventini, we can, uh, you know, we get the whole, we have the whole trifecta going. Roma's, Roma fans are happy right now. Again, yeah, probably yeah. Probably has to be said. There's so. a lot of teams within uh, shouting distance of second spot, so. Uh, yeah. And and then Alex doesn't even make it through orientation with us. He's already off as some, as he's, as he's found his way in some wonderful, other wonderful ventures. And, you know, you're not going to be eligible for the wonderful benefit package you get. Uh, at City uh, sit down or any of that other stuff, but yeah, just want to it, say it, it, congratulations it, for some of the, uh, the 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 new ventures that are going on in your career. Well, thank uh, you, sir. And if, if I could say a few words about that, I, I want to uh, I want to send out a huge thank you to Frank and Richard, and also a huge thank you to Jerry Mancini, who's been uh, who's my you know my my original and lifelong Calcio partner because I've uh, I, I've I've found a way. To, uh, to have so many responsibilities right now covering American football and basketball that I, I, I'm going to have to take a step back from my Calcio coverage. And it's not because I've lost any love for it. On the contrary, I have so much love for it, but I've got less time to follow the league. And if I can't follow the league consistently the way that I liked, I feel like I'm cheating myself and cheating the audience if I go on and talk about it weekly, if I can't keep up with it the way that I would like to. So I am going to be taking a step back from Serie A, sit down and Calcio Connection. But as I told the two guys who are on top of me here on the screen, um, you know, if you ever need uh, an inter correspondent, because, you know, it looks like we may be headed for a banter era. And, hey, we may be able to relate to that because Milan may be heading in that direction as well. Feel free. Feel free to lean on me. And I hope I could be a frequent contributor moving forward. I thought you were going to say reach out to Anthony at Inter Worldwide or something. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Anthony's a good dude for that, uh, and yeah, I'm sure Anthony. I'm sure he's as upset, probably even more upset about everything that's going on than I am yeah. right now, especially yeah. with Skriniar looking to be on his way out. It's kind of a depressing time to be an Interista. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that is for sure. Uh, you know, some uh, a number of clubs right now really not enjoying themselves at, at the moment, as we've been talking about. We've got uh, quite a bit to uh, discuss here on this. On this lovely Tuesday evening, Hope, I'm glad you're all joining us. We've got uh, George uh, with us. We've got Anthony with us. Uh, if you are tuning in, please check in with us in the chat. Um, any questions, anything, pop it in there. We'll try to answer it, answer it as much, much as we possibly can. So otherwise, just uh, enjoy the three of us rambling about uh, what has gone on here over the course of the last six days in match week 19 since Richard and I at least joined you last. So yeah. Um, 
We will uh, talk about that uh, destruction of Milan in Rome at the hands of Lazio today. Uh, we'll talk about that thrilling match between Juventus and Atalanta. We'll uh, wrap up the rest of match week 19. Uh, some transfer talk. Uh, certain Nicolo Zaniolo, as he may be on his way to Milan, what that means for Milan. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the, the biggest news, uh, Juventus handed a 15-point penalty um, for capital gains violations amongst other uh, indiscretions, I guess we shall, we shall call it. Uh, and we'll wind, wind it all up, uh, or wrap it all up, with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. Michael Lisi, I'm going to sick. <laughs> He's, he's so lost Isn't for words. Like an he adjective. Just, it's not yeah. a. I'm gonna sick. <laughs> I'm gonna sick. I'm gonna sick. That's what the kids are saying these days. <laughs> unless you're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless you sick the dogs on your children over what happened today. I, I'd like to know where. I'd like to know where the where the Napoli fans are. Like, I, you, you'd think that more Napoli fans would be turning up in the chat, and the Lazio fans. I know that there's some Lazio fans who come in weekly. Because it, it seems like everybody in here are all the miserables, like us. <laughs> Misery yeah, loves well, company. They're too busy celebrating. They're celebrating their uh, official winter championship. I, although I'll, I'll warn, I don't think it's, it's been a few years since the winter champion has gone on in one city. Ah, right. I, but it's a tw- it's also a twelve point gap at the same. Um, I saw, but it is. I'll tell you what. As long as things are mathematically possible, I'm just going to say that. Uh, you know, just as long as things are mathematically possible. I actually saw somebody tweeting. All of these managers talking about things being just saying mathematically possible in press conferences, and Louis Van Gaal having the hard, hardest time saying mathematically. Uh, you know, you got a good kick out of that. We're gonna have to look that up and find that. I was I was gonna try to figure out how I can parlay that into a tweet uh, and have it relate to Italian football. Uh, would have been pretty easy to do. But. Certo, certo. There you go, Richard. Yes. What are you doing today at the Olimpico, man? Let's talk about it. Oh my God! We're talking about the uh, kids cover your ears, the ass raping that happened in the Olimpico. Uh, Lazio hosting. Oh, Milan. that's not that's not nice. We don't have to talk about it that way, do we? <laughs> we do, we do. Unfortunately, because uh, uh, a very impressive scoreline. If you're Laziale, uh, oh, Lazio, Lazio shoved it in dry. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did. <laughs> 4-0, 4-0. We got goals from Likovic Savic in the fourth minute. Zakanyi in the 38th. Uh, first half, Milan do what they do best, uh, give up goals early in the game. Uh, nice play, nice piece of play, really, from, from uh, Lazio to begin with. And, and SMS seems to score in these bigger games. Loves playing against the Milan teams, really. Uh, scored against Inter. Scored, obviously, scoring against Milan here. Uh, nice goal to open it up. Uh, the goal for Zakani. Zakani really being uh, fortunate in this one. Pedro with a fantastic pass to kind of led um what's his face uh don't even care at the moment he, he shot gets off the post Zakani there off the bounces off of him he gets a consolation goal there two nothing going at the halftime it's uh Marusic. Marusic getting in behind Marusic, on that play. Yeah, no. yeah i'm so pissed off i don't even remember the guy's names anymore uh but nice you know lots of nice two nothing lead at this point i didn't i i thought there was still a chance for milan i i didn't watch <laughs> him um live just because you know work work and life happens but uh at that point when i see the scoreline i said well you know milan still should have a chance Little did I know they were playing like crap at the time. Uh, it continued into the second half. Uh, Luis Alberto uh, would convert a penalty, a, a stone-cold penalty for sure, and then he converts it. Uh, and then Felipe Anderson finishes off a nice play by Lazio in the 75th minute. 4 nothing in the 75th minute. 
Uh, Lazio really just completely dominant. Milan looked careless in the game. Um, Frank, this uh, no way to look around us. This was a poor, poor game for Milan. A poor might be an overstatement for the or understatement. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where do I start? I, I, I made a lot of comments over the course of the game, just you're really just trying to look at Milan and break them down and analyze them. Um, this 4-2-3-1 doesn't work anymore. Um, and a lot of reasons, and Lisa's in the chat, a, val a very valid one. You don't have Frank Kessie. Um, uh, Joe Bacalieri also said, uh, Frank Kessie is why you could play a 10 and play a 4-2-3-1. You know, having a player like that, you don't quite have that with Sandro Tonali and Ismail Benacer. Here's what a 10 does for Milan now. Um, it sometimes gets in the way of the striker, but I think worse, I think it is glaringly taking away any impact that Sandro Tonali can have on a game and taking charge of a midfield. Um, that was one of the one of the glaring things that I noticed. Very, very rarely could we find Tonali in this game finding advanced positions where he could get the ball and he could do some damage and he can you know, penetrate defenses with passing and, and create some things. He's restricted. Um, and when Tonali got the ball, he got it oftentimes in front of the back four. He got it oftentimes in his own third, entering the middle third. And Lazio just pressed in on him and didn't give him any room to play. Um, so... I thought that the combination of pressing and Lazio's ability to keep the ball and combine in, in incredibly impressive. Um, I, I argued, I said, why not go to a four, three, two, one, because here's the other, here's the other detriment to this system. The wingers, especially the ones that Pioli picked for this game, do not give the fullbacks any support. Calabria and Dest were on islands uh, by themselves and they just got tortured the entire 90 minutes. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even fair what Lazio was doing to both of them. Um, at least with a three man midfield in front of the back four, you got the left center and the right center midfielders that can pinch over and maybe try to plug some things up. Uh, I think somebody made a very, I can't remember who said it. Let, let's give Astor Franks a try. Um, and, and throw him in there with, with, with Tonali and with Benacer and see what happens. Um, or, you know, well, now against Sassuolo, it's going to have to be Tonali and Pobega if you do it because Benacer is suspended. Um, so so th th these are the things that I think that, it, that, that it's causing a problem. And you don't have the physicality and the combativeness of Kessie as part of that center midfield combination. So this formation doesn't work anymore. It's been figured out. It's time to try something different. It's time to get creative with what you have at your disposal, because it doesn't seem evident to me that Milan are going, that Maldini and Cole are going to do a lot to reinforce this squad. Now Zaniolo might be coming. We'll see how that plays out, but I don't see anybody else coming through in this window. Um, and then finally, I think this is the, the, the – I was a lot more patient with Tatra Sanu than just about all of the rest of Milan's fan base. But this was the game – this is the game that, that, that broke it for me. There you, it is. You bought, this, you, brought, you bought this Vasquez kid. Give him – as long as you're waiting for Mignon to come back and they say sometime in February, well, give this Vasquez kid a shot. 
let's see, let's see what he can do. You know, I mean, it can't hurt at this point. It certainly can't be any worse than Tatrasanu. Yeah. I mean, to, it's just absolutely criminal to not come out and challenge that through pass that ultimately led to the penalty for Lazio. That killed the game. That yeah. right there um, killed the game. Um, Giroud had no space. And they're talking about, you know, I made people were making comments. He couldn't get any services. Like, they couldn't even get passes into him. You know, two the two under the radar outstanding performers in this game were Nico Casale and Alessio Romagnoli. Okay. Yeah. Every time Giroud made a run, one of them was tracking him. There was no chance to get him the ball. And if Milan are going to do something other than Leao, it has to be Giroud getting it in high points and players can run off of him. And they had no chance of doing that in this game today. Um, just it, it's, it, they've gotten predictable. Um, and it's it's disappointing to watch. The first goal was just completely criminal. Everybody stood and just watched. And 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 that's the other thing. When I looked at this lineup, I said, okay, the danger man is Sergei Milinkovic Savic. He mobilizes out. You better know where he is when the ball's coming into the box and the ball's coming into the attack in, into your third. And sure enough, four minutes in and he scores, and everybody just watched him walk right in and put one past Tatrasanu. Um just utterly disappointing all the way around from Milan, but also excellent from Lazio. And it was a team win from Lazio. It wasn't, you know, Luis Alberto was magnificent. Linkovic Savic was magnificent. I talked about Casale and Romagnoli. I thought Marosic was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felipe Anderson in the false nine deputizing while he mobilizes out. It works. Um, and I think that that dynamic created a lot of confusion. They're not as predictable when they have the ball. Um, and, it, it left Milan with chasing shadows. So while I, I, I'm, I'm dogging Milan for their performance, I do want to give credit to Lazio and give credit to Sarni. They were outstanding today, deserved every bit of that 4-0 win. And the only surprise here, the only shock after watching that 90 minutes is how Lazio didn't score more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me go to the mouth of the south here, Alex Dano. Um, is it just as simple as Milan needs a new formation or is it lack of personnel? I mean, we've seen other teams with a 4-2-3-1 with a 10, who seem to do very well. So is it a lack of talent, is, or is it just a, a simple as a formation change in your eyes? For no, it's, it's both, because um, obviously there are several clubs in Italy who could use reinforcements in January, and you know M- M- Frank mentions Zaniolo as a distinct possibility. I know we'll talk about him a little bit more, but with the way the finances have gone in City, uh, not a whole lot of teams are getting those reinforcements they crave. So I thought Frank hit the nail on the head that you've got to experiment with that midfield, because I... I'm not going to say that, you know, Milan, obviously catch anyone catching Napoli is virtually impossible at this point. Uh, I'm going to say Milan's in a slump. Like I see some Milanisti who obviously are very emotionally close to it. You know, everybody needs to be fired. Every, the club needs to be sold. Every player Uh-oh. needs to be sold. It's like there are a lot of overreactions happening right now. But they, yes, and they are, you know, they're winless in their last five in all competitions. They have been outscored 7-0 in their last two games. I understand that a lot of frustration can stem from that but you need to experiment because sometimes that's the best way to snap out of your funk uh but also this was a virtuoso performance by Lazio this was Sadi said it after the match and I completely agree with this was their most complete performance of the season and look I'm just I'm watching back that opening goal the Milinkovic-Savic goal that Frank was talking about and it 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 really is beautiful the way that that it played out because not too often do you see a goal like that where two things can be true at once one thing could be, could be true that from Lazio's standpoint, 
the buildup was unbelievable. You know, he had two dummies in the box before Savage finished the goal. And then yep. at the same time, it was also horrific defending by Milan because there are three men in the box just watching the ball. But oh so it was gosh. like, it was simultaneously beautiful in the buildup and horrific defending. But it was that type of performance from Lazio all night long. And, you know, it, it's very crowded. Like, I'm not going to say anyone else has a real shot at first place, but second, third, fourth Champions League positions. That's completely up for grabs right now. If Milan wants to try to hold tight in second place, I do believe they need to do some experimenting. Uh, you know, Inter just needs an exorcism. Uh, and Lazio, obviously, if they can keep up this sort of form, they can find themselves very much in that conversation as well. Same thing with Roma. Well, I, I, just, have... think, I just think that whatever they change, I think their best chance at getting away from just jamming it into Leao and hoping he does something with it is getting Tonali in a role where he can get more in more advanced positions and make himself a little bit more dangerous. I don't think the 10 works anymore. Um, I don't think I, I, I was underwhelmed with Brian Diaz. I think they want to continue to do this system in the hopes that the Ketelare will eventually get it, you know, um, you know, and make an impact. But even if you, even if, even if he does, you can put him on the right side of a four-three-two-one, um, and you can put again. Bruges did it, um, and then you can put Leo on the other side with Giroud as your striker, um, and then you, and then you play Benazir, Vranks, and Tonali, or some kind of combination. Pobegas. Adley, there's somehow. also Adley. Don't forget about Adley. And and Adley, yeah. I think it's time to. I think it's time to flip it around. I mean, it's 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 time to try something different. Because if you don't, I mean, it, it's adapt or die. Um, you know, I mean, how many times have we heard that across the landscape of sports and business and any other walk of life? Um, you keep going out and, and doing the same thing. You're just going to get predictable and found out. And that's just about what the consensus of everybody is saying. So, yeah. um, and then once again, I'll reiterate with Lazio. Um the false nine just gave Milan all kinds of problems. Nobody knew where to go defensively. Uh, Tamori and Kalulu were confused. They're, you know, they, the comfort of knowing that a nine is going to be in higher positions and they can pass him off, that wasn't there. So they were like, well, where do we go? What do we do, you know? Um, and then it was the same thing when Kiara went in for Tamori. So, and then on top of it, you don't have the depth. And now you don't you don't have you might not have Tamori now for a while you might not have Calabria for a while so it just it, on that aspect it gets worse. Alex, let me Alex. ask you this. Alex, let me ask you this. Um, all season long, outside of Napoli, everyone's talking about it's Milan contending with them. It's Juventus who are now mid-table team. Inter, right? Um, Lazio quietly got within one point of Milan now in second place. Is it time that we start considering them as a potential Scudetto challenger at this point? We all, we all knew, most of us knew, the sane ones knew, that Mourinho and Sarri in their second years were going to be vastly improved team-wise compared to the first seasons with their with her clubs. And we're seeing that now. So is it time that we, we you know, we saw this performance from Lazio. Are they at that level now where we can say they might be able to challenge for Scudetto if they could keep getting these results? I'm going to say no, they're not consistent enough. Um, I, I think that they are good enough where obviously they were good enough today to put a 4-0 beating on Milan. I, I've seen them beat Inter too many times in the last few seasons. Uh, you know, they, they gave Juventus hell, you know, a few years ago during that Scudetto challenge during the COVID year. 
Uh, I just I, I think if anyone's catching Napoli, as unlikely as that may be right now, but I've experienced Spalletti in winter. You never know what can happen in you know the January, February, March type of months. Um, I, I think if anyone's going to catch them, it's going to have to be a Milan or an Inter because the, those sides have the quality. I just I, to me uh, for for as good as this Lazio is capable of playing under Sadi, especially getting it done. Without Cheeto Immobile, getting a big victory like that, scoring four goals without Cheeto in the lineup is impressive. I just I, I can't see a club like Lazio having that sort of consistency. I, I have the same conversation with them as you know we had this conversation in recent years. You know when when Atalanta has put out some incredible squads yeah. in recent years, can they challenge for a Scudetto? They just can't. They just don't offer the quality to have that kind of consistency down the stretch. So I think if anyone's going to catch Napoli. Obviously, it's not going to be Juventus after being docked 15 points. It's going to have to be Milan or Inter. Frank, and I think uh, a layer that will add to this, Lazio through the first half of the season have had the benefit of getting Napoli, Inter, and Milan all at the Olimpico. So they got to travel to those places in the second half of the season. Their away form is better, but it is, you know, I mean, evident, one of the things that's evident, the, the 2-0 win at Atalanta. But for that 2-0 win, I'll cancel it out with a 3-0 loss at Juve. So they're kind of still, well, their away form looks good, and I think it's like fifth or sixth in the league. Um, it's, you know, it, is, it isn't consistent enough, and there's going to be some tougher away fixtures for them, which, is, which might put them off the pace. Um, you know, I... I need to see some more consistency in away matches and they need to stop dropping points against teams that they're supposed to do. You know, I mean, we talked about Milan drawing at Lecce, Lazio lost there. Um, and, and we get it. We've been harping about how Lecce have actually been pretty good at home. Um, but Lazio are still capable of having some pretty confusing performances in away matches that make it hard for me to get serious about them being a contender. Um, so, I mean, but at this point, I mean, why not them? You've got, you know, why not Roma? Why not Atalanta at this stage of the game? Especially the way Atalanta have come out of the blocks here in the new year. Um, you know, and no Europe that they have to contend with. So, I mean, it's a little bit more of a mountain for them. Uh, but, you know, if if they can be a little bit better away, then I think that they can, they can put a dent in this deficit, but I just, I can't see it. I think it's going to be a little too challenging for them with the, uh, with the fixtures that are going to be in front of them for the rest of the way. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, so that's that Lazio Milan. I think we've, uh, I think we've bickered enough about Milan Richards. So bickered or um, what's that? I said bickered or bitched. Uh, we bickered. <laughs> Same. I don't think we, we got quite to that. Um, but we'll move on, uh, Alex. Let's talk. Alex, if you'd like to take it away on uh, probably the, the game of the weekend, uh, Juve and Atalanta playing to a 3-3 draw. Yeah, what a, what a match. And, uh, you know, I know that the timing of it, you know, was shortly after Juventini found out about their punishment uh, being docked 15 points. So there was definitely some anger, some confusion, some bewilderment heading into this one. And listen, uh, they shared the points in this one, but it was entertaining as you would expect. Lookman opening up the scoring at four minutes. Di Maria with a penalty, evening things up. Uh, Milik giving Juventus the 2-1 lead. 
before uh, Mela tied it up at the 45th minute. You also had goals uh, then from a second from Lookman. He had the brace. Danilo tied it up at the 65th minute. Round and round we go, fellas, and it ends in a uh, in the type of draw where you know whenever you have like the American sports fans, like who wants ties? Ties are not good. These draws, my friends, can be very entertaining. I know both sides obviously felt like they left some points on the table, but this was a great match. Yeah, no, I agree. It was a fantastic match, and I kind of you you knew that once that plus Valenza news came out that uh, despite how up and down Juve have been playing, that they were going to be motivated. They're yeah. going to come out and you want to show that hey, we're we're going to all rally around this 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 focal point and really bring our best game. And yes, Atalanta's put up a million goals in the last couple of games. We don't care. We're going to come out and show, do a really strong showing. And then you know, obviously, look at scores early, but uh, the way that Juventus responded. Um, and early on, it looked like Atlanta were going to you know, dictate the way the game was going, obviously with the early goal. But they came back, right? They got a penalty. They got a goal. Uh, Milik got a, a great goal as well. That, I mean, that was one of the goals of the week right there. A great pass by Fagioli. Um, but Juventus, they went toe-to-toe with Atalanta. Atalanta are one of the hottest teams in the league in terms of goals in the last couple of games. If you look at a small snapshot. And Juventus, they, they for what they, they did what they had to do, they come out and they, they put up a puncher's fight. And it came out as a boxer's draw. Uh, but... Overall, I think they cannot be upset with the way they played. Um, considering a team like Atalanta who can score goals for fun right at, at the moment, uh, it's a pretty good result. And you had Danilo scoring a, a, a howitzer to, to tie the game yeah. at the end. It yeah. could have gone either way. We could have had more goals in this game. Uh, but you got to give credit to Juventus for really, with adversity on their back, stepping up and really showing up. They could have easily folded and got obliterated in this game, especially with that early goal, and they did not. So that's good for them and their fans to say, hey, look, we keep fighting back. Maybe we get some points, you know, get get some of them back from the deductions. So it's not 15. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that's a it's a strong showing from Juventus, even if they were home or not. Hmm. For me, um, Atalanta, like, five games in all competitions to start 2023, and they've scored 20 goals. Um, you know, it's one of the takes I've given about a couple of weeks ago when I had to do this solo. I said, I – Atalanta are not going to miss Ruslan Malinovsky. It is a whole new way they play. Um, they don't need the technician in the higher attacking positions. And, you know, you look at what the, the, what Adam Lookman has done uh, here since since joining. Um, Which we correctly called ahead of the yes. season. I mean, if it wasn't for Kvaratskhelia, we'd be talking about Adam Lookman as the new arrival here in Serie A, um, you know, and we'd be probably be giving him a little bit more attention. He's played 18 should matches for Atalanta. He has 11 goals. Should it be uh, closer? Because he's got 11 goals. rachel has got seven goals. Now, granted, it's seven goals and seven assists versus, you know, 11 goals and, what, three assists maybe or something like that. So, I mean, Lookman is getting overlooked because of what Cavarachelli is doing. But, I mean, Lookman is having a fantastic year and. You know, luckily he could play left side or right side because then you would have uh, – you could argue to say who's going to – you can have both guys in a, your, your best 11 right now at the moment because they're both playing really, really well. Yeah, so I – it probably should be closer. I but, but I think that because of Napoli's blistering start to the season, what they've yeah. done in the first half of the season, you're naturally going to gravitate to Gbaratskalia. I, I just I think that Adamola Lookman deserves some love here in this in this space and in this conversation as far as you know impactful new arrivals uh, because he's been you know statistically you can argue he's been every bit as good especially over these last few weeks um, you know it's it's what 
Kvada has probably meant to Napoli and, 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 and the impact that he's had leading him to first place where Atalanta are still sitting in, you know, what they're sitting in fifth. And I think people will look at the optics of that to go towards the Georgian, which is very understandable. But I think that Lookman definitely deserves more credit than that. Lookman uh, is everything Milan thought CDK would be this year. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's here, here's my rebuttal to that. Um, for every Kvaratskhelia and for every Lookman, there, there's probably at least 20 CDKs for every sure. year. Yeah. Where it's, you know, it's not yet a bust. It's only been the first year. Um, Agreed. But, and especially with young players, because... It's it's tricky in Italy with the game being more. I mean, it may not be as tactical as it used to be. In some cases, it is. Depends on who you play. Depends on what you go up against. There's a certain team we're going to talk about this again. You know, as you know, when we go through the batch. Um, but younger players, it seems like they. It, it seems like for the most part, and in most cases, they need a year. Okay, uh, Rafael Leao needed time. Uh, before he made the impact that he did for Milan. You could argue that Lautaro Martinez needed time uh, before he made the impact that he did at Inter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, younger players just sometimes take a little while. If they're coming from outside leagues in particular, it just takes them a little – and more often than not, it's going to take them a little bit longer. Lookman and Kvaditskalia are are exceptions to the rule, you know, when it comes to young players coming coming over from uh, from abroad and coming over from different leagues. So I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's my long-winded way of saying I don't make the Kittelare a bust just yet because no, there's no. still there's still time. No. Um, and I would say this if he was playing for any other club in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's the nature of it. You know, you can probably put Tammy Abraham into the conversation of, of Kvonatskele and Lookman too. He came to Roma and made an impact right away, you know. But, that, but you go look at some of the other younger players that, that came over, he was the only one. Okay, um, so so that's where that you know that's where that that that's the conversation that needs to be had when you're talking about young players. So that's that, that's at least my spin on it from what I've seen from from Calcio over the years. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, as it pertain, you know, as it pertains to this match, um, you know, you, you could probably argue that Juventus were probably the luckier team to get the point. At least in my opinion, I thought Atalanta played better. Um, I, you know, some of the issues that plagued Atalanta last season just reared their ugly head in this, in just in this particular game. And it's actually starting to across the board while they're scoring a lot of goals, they're giving up some all of a sudden where, what were we high on them in the first half of this for most of the first half of the season? We thought their defending was clearly better and now it's taken a back seat. Uh, you wonder, and we'll have to see how this you know how this progresses. If they clean this up, if Gasparini goes back to being a little bit more tactical, his partnership, the, the, the two-man midfield in that three-four-two-one, starting to get starting to get figured out again a little bit. You know, and he's trying to get a little more aggression out of his wingbacks again, which is leaving the defenders exposed. You know, and which is leaving Musso exposed. And these were the yeah. these were the nature of Atalanta's problems all season last year, and why they finished eighth. It seems like they can play only one way or the other. They can't yeah. do a hybrid of, of right. both, right? Like some of the better teams can 
can switch in between the game. Atalanta either play all out defense or all out attack. And we've seen this in the past. Like you said, they'll either score a lot of goals, but they give up a lot of goals, or they play super defense and they can't and they struggle this year. They started out well, but then they kind of got in a, in a funk where they dropped mass, they got dropped the mid-table almost uh with the way they were playing, and it wasn't in the results. So it seems like either their owner or Gasparini said, you know what, forget it. Let's just go back to scoring goals. Or at least we're really having fun at where we do it. And right. And, and, and I think that, that that's just more in the Gasparini DNA. Um mm-hmm. and it, it's not like it's not like they were lighting up the table, you know, when they were specializing in defense. I mean, they were they were out of Champions League position then. I I think honestly it's it's in his DNA and it's in the club's DNA to be more of a free scoring club, even if you're gonna have some three three draws here and there. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Do we give uh, do we give Juventus a chance to climb back into this and snatch one of the lower end European places, or is this just? I mean, assuming this punishment sticks, um, or is this? You know, I mean, it's Udinese is holding the Conference League spot for all intents and purposes. Um, well, right now it's Atalanta's in six because they, you know, you save a spot for the Copa winner if it's not one of the top six teams. Um, so you can't discount the old lady. You can't discount the old lady because yeah. one, we don't know if the 15 points are going to stick. They could be reduced right. to like nine or who knows, right? And plus, Juve they can go on a massive winning streak. And if just the right right pieces fall, obviously the teams who are below Napoli are, don't want to be in a second position because they're all losing. Um, but don't discount uh, Juventus. They could they could sneak their way back in this, and you know you know. If the 15 points stick and yet they go on this massive win streak and they somehow finish with you know in second place again, they're gonna be like, We should have won the title, they're gonna count us again, like Del Piero, right? Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I'm not gonna discount them. I think they're obviously not going to title if the points stick, but uh, they they could still be a factor European wise, yeah. I, okay. I agree a thousand percent. I, I think that they could they could still climb their way into a top seven finish, even if. Even if the 15 points stick, I, I you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to it would take, you know, a minor miracle for them to finish top four. But I think they could snatch one of those later European spots. And I just want to clarify one more thing here, because uh, I was looking at it and, and SofaScore has me thrown off. They've, they're only giving three Champions League places to Italy, which I'm like, OK, are we sure about this? Like, and I just like double seven checked years outdated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just double checking that. And I'm seeing that uh, Italy's ranked third in the UEFA coefficient. So the top four countries get four teams so they still get four teams so one to four goes to the champions league five to six goes to the europa league and then seventh goes to the conference league so udinese is holding the conference league spot um which is only five points away for juventus at this point so um i mean juventus's other option is maybe the europa league suddenly just got really important uh in terms of a priority and trying to win it uh because that's another path to the champions league for the next season so we'll have to see how they treat those games because initially we were looking at it and thought they weren't going to care, but maybe they might have to. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. So um, so that's Juve Atalanta. We talked about Lazio Milan. Let's get to the rest of it. Uh, so it all kicked off on Saturday. Hellas Verona taking on Lecce, a two 0 win for Hellas Verona. Fabio De Paoli, a nicely placed header. Uh, in the 40th minute uh, to go up 1-0. Uh, Darko Lazovic scores again in the 54th minute, uh, played in by Ivan Ilic. Uh, so 2-0 win there for Hellas Verona as they uh, try to improve their situation. Napoli at Salernitana, it was uh, Napoli winning 2-0. Uh, 
uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo finishing after some nice combination play, uh, and then find you know where Anguisa it was Anguisa that finds uh, Di Lorenzo on the back end and a nice finish, and then uh, Victor Osimhen scoring a striker's goal in the 48th minute, little cleanup off of a ball off the post, uh, putting Napoli through to the two nil win. Um, just efficient performance from Napoli in this game is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, Fiorentina nil, Torino one. Uh, it was Alexi Maranchuk in the 33rd minute. My goal of the week. Uh, nice floating curler uh, uh, past the goalkeeper, giving Torino a, an away win. Fiorentina continuing to struggle. Um, uh, Sunday morning, it was Sampdoria nil. Udinese won. Very nice tifo by Sampdoria with uh, Gianluca Vialli, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you if you looked at this game, if you looked at how the performance went, you know, Udinese was very effective on the break. Sampdoria were definitely creating going the other way, had a little bit more of the ball. Again, playing better under Stankovic, but not getting the results. That's just where it's at right now um, with Sampdoria. But it would be uh, – oh, Lord, don't let me botch his name. Ehezi Bue? Gesundheit. <laughs> Nailed Kingsley. it. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Nailed Kingsley, it. <laughs> Kingsley Ahezibwe. It's Kingsley Ahezibwe uh, scoring in the 88th minute. Really a heartbreaking performance uh, or heartbreaking result for Sampdoria. I, I thought they played well in this game. Uh, deserve to get something out of it. Uh, Monza won. Sassuolo won. It was uh, Gianmarco Ferrari in the 13th minute. Uh, Cancelled out by Gianluca Caprari in the 60th minute. Uh, and then Spezia nil, Roma two. Uh, Stefan El Shadawi just before halftime, wonderful counterattack. Paolo Dybala finding him. Uh, and then Tammy Abraham putting it away in the 49th minute. Another greatest after some after some good pressing and Dybala wasting no time, just playing it in behind the Spezia defense. And Abraham was in 2 0 uh, for the Jello Roth. Uh, Monday's action. Uh, Bologna won, Cremonese won, Cremonese new man, Davide Ballardini. Uh, we know him from his time at Genoa. We know it's dentist chair appointment uh, when you play a Davide Ballardini managed team, and that's what Bologna had to endure. Uh, outshot Cremonese 21-9, but only walk out of there with a point, and it was a Cremonese penalty scored by David Ocarique and then uh, canceled out. Uh, by a Vlad Kirik has own goal, almost had a second own goal that had to be cleared off the line, in fact. So Bologna, uh, looking at that as two points lost, Cremonese going to grab every point they possibly can get. And then finally, uh, sorry, Alex, uh, Inter nil, Empoli won. Um, it was uh, Tommaso Baldanzi coming in in the 64th minute, 66th minute, he scores. This was after uh, Inter were reduced to 10 men in the f- – actually – the goal was in the second half. Uh, Skriniar second yellow, 40th minute, red card. That might have been his last action as an Inter player. So. Yeah, and it, it's it's pure it's purely tragic. And and the way the way the whole match played out, and it was one of those matches where the quotes coming from his agent, which basically put the nail in the coffin for any hopes that Interisti had for him, you know coming to an agreement to stay with the club. His agent was basically giving screeny our side of it and why he's heading to PSG and what Inter were, you know, unwilling to pay him and all that. And, you know, the, the timing was piss poor. I mean, to have that stuff come out, 
you know, as the match was happening. And then, oh, Skriniar gets sent off in the 40th minute, which makes people think, oh, he's doing this on purpose. Like it was it, it was it, it was the, the sort of theater that only Inter can provide. And I say that as a lifelong Interista, it's the most Inter way possible for, you know, one of one of the best players to ever put on the blue and black stripes, you know, over you know, the, the last decade, I mean, for the last, what, about six seasons, uh, Skriniar has been really the uncrowned captain for so many years. And now this season, you know, since Handanovic uh, was benched, uh, Skriniar has been the captain. It's going to be a short-lived captaincy, uh, but it was just horrible because you, you would have wanted Skriniar's potentially final match or at least final home match with the club to be, you know, a victory. Maybe he scores a goal on a header from a set piece or something like that. Instead, he gets sent off in the 40th minute. Not that Inter were playing very well when he was on the pitch either, but yeah, it was it, it was it was downright depressing, fellas. I mean, it really was. Uh, you know, maybe to see Skriniar uh, at the Miazza for the final time going out like that. Yeah, Richard, reaction to the match week nineteen games. Yeah, uh, I mean, for the most part, the score lines were pretty standard. Obviously, the Empoli's you know winning that was not expected. Uh, good to see that at least on my end. But you know, I guess I can't celebrate too much because Milan lost four nothing. So, uh, but you know, really, really, I want to talk about Roma because um, the flying they're led by the flying Dabalas. The Dabalas really stepped up in the last few games and really is taking the bull by the horn and really taking his team on his shoulders, whether it's with assists or goals or whatever. You see Abraham scoring now. You see El Shadawi scoring today. Um, really, the team is finally embracing him as the playmaker, and I think they're also effectively moving away from Zaniolo. Uh, and it's good to see that the team is finally starting to play and starting to score goals like we thought they were going to score originally to be the season. Uh, it's been a very slow process for them. I mean, they're only, what, one point away from Milan at the at the moment. Uh, so they're quietly having a very good season. Uh, but it's starting to warm up now. As as Lazio are warming up, so are Roma. And it seems like these two clubs are always at, the, at, the, at each other's hips. Wherever one goes, the other one goes as well. And so look for Roma to really start putting results, uh, you know, back to back here in the coming weeks and, and really try to assert themselves in the top four because – Ultimately, that was original goal at the of the season. Many of us thought that they could achieve that. Started out rough, but now they're in a prime position where they can really uh, achieve that result. Yeah, Spezia, right? You want to say, oh, just laugh it off. They just sold, you know, one of the better defensemen in QBR. Uh, but it's never an easy game, especially when you go into Spezia. Uh, and so Roma, the fact that they've been getting results, you know, in the last year, couple of weeks, uh, and a nice victory on the road, comfortable win on the road, I, I, I thought it was impressive uh, from Reno's team. Hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> we talked about Cremonese decided that they're going to do it through not having the ball with uh, Davide Belladini as manager if they're going to have any hope of, of getting out of this. And you know what? When I looked at Cremonese, I think it's a smart it's a smart hire considering the ta- considering what they have because I think the back the back three are all veteran enough, um, and I like the goalkeeper, Karnasecki, young goalkeeper who's going to find work with a better club here in Serie A one of these days. Um, I think he's, I think he's an Italian, uh, is he under 19 right now? Uh, I believe so. But I mean, Kyrgyz, uh, okay, fine. The, the, the own goal was, a was unfortunate. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a smart way for them to try to play and they can counter through their, their wing backs or who have some talent to them. And then you have Okariki who can be helpful on the counter. So it's a, it's a smart way for them to do it. Um, 
let's see here. Uh, as I say, it's just Sampdoria, at, at some point under Stankovic, they just have to win. Um, you know, I think that they've had some performances that, you know, they're playing well enough. They're, 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 they're certainly playing better than they did under Giampaolo. The, the wins just need to come now. Um, the other comments that I made, Sassuolo only getting a boy, it would have really been a big help for Dionisi if they could have won that match at Monza. Um, you know, sitting there at 17th, they now travel to Milan, which doesn't look as daunting as it might have been a few months ago. Um, and one of the comments that I made looking at how poor the fullbacks played for Milan is that Lorient and Hamid Traore and Berardi and co are just going to be salivating at their at the prospect of having having a go at this Milan defense. So um, that's something I'm going to have some concerns with um, as a Milan supporter. And then and then Fiorentina, I mean. Right now, 15 points aside for Juventus, I've got to say Fiorentina is the biggest underachiever in this league. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, you could argue that. Yeah, I, I think you could argue that for the past several seasons that they've been they've been up there with underachievers. I mean, you know, they, every every time you feel like they're on the up and up, they make big uh, investments. And I know a lot of people thought, you know, years back when Comiso took over, that his ambitions were so high he could take them somewhere. And you know, they all they always end up regressing to the mean. So Torino won in Florence for the first time since 1976. That is crazy. Wow, that, that is, is crazy. You never guess that, but I mean, yeah, they play crazy. there every year. They haven't won there since '76. That's that oh, is wow. nuts. Uh, that is it's Kyle. Thank you for scooping that up, bud. We we did. Uh, I didn't know that. Scoop of the wow. week. Scoop yeah. of the week. Scoop of the week. So, um, we interrupt this. Uh, uh, planned Serie A sit-down to bring you the Squadra Finora. Boy, it just went right right under our nose here with uh, the um, uh, the way the se- you know the way things have gone. And little do we know that we're, we're halfway through the season. And every time we do halfway through, we give the Squadra Finora, uh, which is our which is basically Italian for team so far. So um, our all Serie A team. Um, <clears throat> so we've got. Uh, We've been assembling it here in our private chat <laughs> as we are on the fly. Uh, so I, you know, let's uh, we're going to do, and we always do this in homage to the team that was winter champion. Yes. In this case, it's Napoli mm-hmm. and their most preferred system, four three three. We do try to make the team as functional as we possibly can. Uh, so we're going to start with the goalkeeper. Um, you know, goalkeeping this season, and I think a lot of this is magnified by the fact that Mike Magnan's been out. Um, but it's, you know, we had one that was on a really, really strong run. It's been a nightmare for him the last couple of games, but I think he just edges out everybody else. I think that because of the string of shutouts and the long, the, the, the lengthy shutout string that he had, the lengthy, lengthy scoreless run that he had, we're putting Wojciech Chesney in as our goalkeeper in the squad that if he nota, uh, Alex, I'll start with you on that. Do you, do you feel okay with that decision? You're on mute. Rookie. Oh, rookie. <laughs> what I would have said if I wasn't muted is I am a thousand percent okay with that decision. Okay. I would say, Rick. yeah, I, I would say the only, only other person I would I would even think of would be Alex Moret. Um, though he's had a quiet season, it's been a good season. Napoli, obviously, clearly better than everybody else. Uh, and his save today was spectacular, one of the one of the, one of the plays of the day. 
but because Tech is his pension for the big game and the and the the dramatic save, he just I mean he just I candy wise he's a little bit more better. He's got that that, that long streak that you talked about, Frank uh, shutout streak and stuff. He's getting ready to break Buffon's Juventus record for shutouts in in, in a career at Juventus. So it's 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 hard to go either or and by the end of the season Moret might have this uh, uh, you know as the best goalkeeper but at the moment I would agree uh, Wojciech Chesney is the guy you probably pick in goal. I think you can also make a case for Provedel too for Lazio. Yes um, strong strong so but yeah let's go with with Chesney and let's go with uh, Meret and, and Provedel as our number two and our number three off the bench. So uh, right back uh scored this week and has just been solid and steady as it gets uh, for Napoli. Um, one of the under the radar guys for why they've been so successful this season, Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Richard uh, will be our right back in this setup. Yeah, Mister Consistency, the captain for for Napoli. He just uh, he shows up every game. He puts his heart on the sleeve. Uh, this season, in particular, like he's always been a good a good right back. But this this season, in particular, he's been much more consistent, providing goals. Even um, not only helping out defensively, also offensively, either with assists or getting to the box trying to get some goals. Uh, he's done everything for Napoli, and he's uh, for a long time we would say he, uh, right back and, and left back would be the weaknesses of Napoli. This season, not so much, Alex. Yeah, no, I I would agree 100% with what he's provided this year, and he's been one of those uh, one of those revelations and most consistent players in Serie A to this point. Okay, um, let's go to the center back position, and we're going to stay in Napoli, Alex. Uh, another. New arrival to City. Ah, we thought Koulibaly was going to be tough to replace. This guy has gotten the job done, uh, probably beyond what anybody could have imagined. Min Jai Kim uh, oh, gets yeah. into our squad. That if you know what, yeah, he, he's a he's a no brainer. Uh, one of the best additions, I, I think, uh, heading into this season, especially trying to replace a guy like Koulibaly. I mean, yeah. you talk about just hitting the ground running and you know being one of the top defenders in City. Ah, right away, I, I've been impressed. Richard, thoughts on Min Jai Kim? That's a no-brainer for me. I think he yeah. is, uh, like like Alex said, he's what, a no-brainer. One of the best-performing center backs all season long. Coming into the season, everyone's talking about Bremer this and, and and you know, Tamori that. And Min Jai Kim slides in and, and just taking the league by storm with offensive ability, defensive ability, um, inspiring the team at times as well. So, yeah, Min Jai Kim, no-brainer for me. Okay, the other center back position, we're going to we're gonna throw a curveball at everybody with this one. Um yeah, you know, we because I think there's a lot of different players that you could probably you could even partner, you know, can you even put Rachmani and, and just make it a you know a Napoli double thread. The the Milan defenders have been a little bit underwhelming as we've gone on. There's really, I mean, as as good as Juventus have been to, as a collective defensively, um, there's really not an individual player that you can look at and say, Yeah, you're a big part of why I think it's the I think it's the collective and how they've how they've played um that have led to them defending as well as they have. Um, we're going to go to a player that I don't think is getting a lot of buzz, veteran Italian international, uh, and a, a, a good part of why they have kind of gotten out of their early season funk and gotten to where they are. Yeah. Armando Itzo of Monza, mm-hmm. Richard, help support the argument for him being in this team. Yeah, he's 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 quietly been a pretty solid defender in, in, in the years that he's been playing Serie A, even when he his time in Torino and stuff like that. He's always been a guy who's been good, but just not quite at that next level. And this year, this year we're seeing with Monza that 
truly as his game has gotten better, Monza have gotten better, and he's a big reason why they've you know ascended in the table and are at the moment safe from relegation. Um, and Itzo has just been Mr. Consistency back there, much like you know I was talking about with Di Lorenzo. Itzo is a guy that Monza, the Monza can rely on, uh, and at times can get get up top and score some goals as well. But he's he's been really doing the work. He's kind of kept it simple this year, and that's been a, a benefit to him and his team. And I think uh, Monza are the the better for having him here. I think if he wasn't there, they wouldn't be quite as high as they are on the table at the moment. Uh, I like the Itzo shout out. I've, I've been a fan of his uh, since he was in Torino and I always, you know, he's yep. been linked to some bigger clubs over the years. And I was always, I think, disappointed on his behalf that some of those moves didn't materialize. So uh, I don't mind the shout. I mean, I'll, I'll be a little bit of a homer here and say I, I'd like to give a shout to uh, Milan Skriniar, even though he may be on his way out of Serie A shortly because the, the guy has just been yeah. – he, he's been such a brick wall and he's been a rock throughout the season. But, you know, the, maybe you could make the argument that Itzo is possibly more valuable to his team, at least on the pitch, than Skriniar is, although that still, to me, could be a tough argument to make. And then off the pitch, I don't know. So it, it's hard. It, it's hard for me to not give one of those center back spots to Skriniar. Yeah, I mean, Itzo has been part of four clean sheets for Monza. Uh, they're a little bit different, and they're a little bit more drastic defensively when he's not in the game. Evidence that uh, Itzo has only been in 12 of, of Monza's 19 games, but when he's been in there, he has given some leadership back there, and he has helped keep kept some things short up. Another guy you could probably make a make an argument for, a guy that I've been pretty impressed with despite the team underachieving, I think Lucas Martinez-Cuarta has been very good this year too mm-hmm. um, over at Fiorentina. So... Uh, I think that, um, you know, maybe he deserves he deserves a bit of a shout. Another guy that I would probably lump into this conversation, if you want to go to Lazio, Nico Casale, I think, has been outstanding. Um, it felt like for the longest time, every time he was in a Lazio team, Lazio wasn't conceding a goal. Um, you know, and then part he, the, the part he played in their performance today, too. Like I said, I think the, the two center backs were very much under the radar you know, against Milan compared to the rest, you know, the way the rest of the team performed. But <clears throat> a great thing, a great compliment you can pay to a center back is that, you know, they're playing well if you're not saying anything about them throughout a game. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, so that's, you know, th- that's another thing. So, but we'll go with Itzo just slightly edging out a couple of those guys and, and screening out to your point, but uh, we will put an inter guy in there. Alex, we'll put Federico De Marco as our left back in the yeah. squad. That if you know the just past uh, Teo Hernandez and Mario Rui at this point, I mean, I always make the comment he's one of those guys that probably has crossed the ball eight or ten times before he even gets off the bus. Uh, so, um, but you know, other facets of his game have definitely improved. You've seen him certainly up close and personal a little bit more than Richard and I have, even though we've seen him seen a lot of him. So we'll let you take it away on your yeah. guy. Federico Yeah, and he's, you know, he he had spent, prior to actually sticking with Inter's first team, he had spent countless seasons on loan, smaller clubs, and, you know, he he's good. He was always good for, like, you know, three or four just banger goals from outside yeah. the box per season, but a, a lot of inconsistency, uh, and I think a lot of that just comes with God did not bless him with size and height, right? So you can create some mismatches uh, in the air against DiMarco. But since he's settled on to Inter's first team, uh, you know, the guy has become now unbenchable. I know that, you know, uh, about a year ago at this time when when Inter acquired Robin Gosens, the expectation was that Gosens would be 
the uh, the Perisic replacement because Perisic was playing out of his mind the last couple of seasons. Uh, but then it became very, very clear heading into this, this season, even late last year, that uh, DiMarco w- was the guy. He was the guy to uh, to take over for Ivan Perisic. And, and you were you were spot on with the crossing. Uh, the the greatest strength that DiMarco has. I mean, not only tremendous ep- effort, he always seems to have the energy. He's making the runs. He's always there when you send balls out to the left flank. He's always on the other end of it. But his crossing, uh, his left foot is pinpoint accurate, and it's deadly. If you give him even a, a second to plant his foot and cross, he's going to put it right on someone's head or, or right on someone's leg. And, and you know, it's always dangerous uh, when he's – crossing to the center of the box and uh, you know someone like Ed Jekko has really benefited from that and he's been on the end of most of those crosses this year and honestly it came to my surprise because I never thought uh, DiMarco would be this good in an Inter shirt like I always thought of him hey this is like a nice rotational player good squad player you know he can play multiple positions on the defense you can slot him in at left center back or, or left wing back when need be I didn't think he would become a guy who you just can't bench I mean he's He's, he's really had a phenomenal run going back to, you know, the later stages of last season. And he's really been a big game player, too, for them, right? Yeah. Uh, the bigger games, he's always been one that you've noticed, you know, distinctly. And so, yeah, I, I agree with that, Sean, about DiMarco. And he's given Italy a little bit of a lift when called upon to play in the left-back position now that, you know, with Spinazzola is still trying to recover from things. And, mm-hmm. you know, certainly a different player than Spinazzola, but, but providing a little bit of a little bit of a different element. So... Uh, it's a three-man midfield when you play for uh, uh, Luciano Spalletti and Luciano Spalletti's Napoli. And, Richard, we're going to start with one of our guys uh, in the squad, if you know what, Ismail Benacer of Milan, we're going to put into this team. Um, and uh, looking at him on the season so far, uh, one goal, one assist, but create, from a deep position, creating a couple chances a game, winning tackles, um, you know, doesn't foul much. I mean, he's got his fifth yellow card today and he's going to be suspended. And, and certainly we, <laughs> we have to remember that there's a whole 19 game body of work here, not just the uh, one nightmare that he had today, but generally speaking, uh, Benacer has, has been a steadying influence in the midfield for the, for the larger part of the season, yeah. a little bit of a drop off here in these last couple of games, but not to the point where we can keep him out of this team. Yeah, I mean, if you judge him just solely on today, he'd be on a crap and a cracker team, right? That's how sure. bad he was. But overall, in the season so far, he has been a pretty decent player. Um, he is, in my opinion, one of the best ball handlers in the league. Uh, the To evade defenders and attackers all the time, he's just so good in tight spaces. Uh, and then, like you said, that playmaking ability to feed it out to his team, team members, whether it's Leao or Tonali or whomever, um, he has such a good vision of the ball. But you can comfortably rely on him to not lose the ball when he is in possession and get out of any situation, which is it's difficult time because a lot of these teams know how to press you, Napoli, for example, uh, and, and being able to control that press, keep the ball, and then distribute out to your team to, to, to try to kickstart the offense. Uh, ben Asser, I don't think there's anybody better than him in the league who can do something like that. And so, and he's done this for not just this season, also last season as well, but just looking at this season, you know, when Milan was playing well, a big portion is because Ben Asser kept that midfield humming really well. And so, yeah, Ben Asser for me, I think, was a no-brainer to be in that midfield. Even though there are a lot of good midfielders in the league, Ben Asser, just what he, what he contributes to Milan is, uh, is so, so much. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, Alex, uh, Ben Asser. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with, uh, I agree with that shout uh, with Benacer. I mean, he's just one of the most talented midfielders in Serie A. Uh, you know, you, you, even when there are some ups and downs for Milan, uh, he's usually going to be one of the guys responsible for getting Milan out of a slump. We left, we just barely left off Angesa uh, in this mm. team, but we should recognize him here. Um, yeah. You know, I mean. It's uh, again. You're 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 looking at a body of work here. I mean, heck, you could probably could have put the whole Napoli eleven in this in this team of the season right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. But right. But but uh, but Benacer gets in just very very slightly over uh, um, over Angisa. Uh, but a Napoli midfielder that we will put into this team is uh, Labotka, uh, Alex. Um, been a huge uh, difference in his performance. Uh, over the course of this season. Uh, talk about him a little bit here. Yeah, he's helped give the entire squad a list. I don't think you could possibly put together a best 11 at this point and leaving him off of it. And and obviously, we're going to show some love to Napoli given the form that they've had to start the season. But Lobotka has been a big part of it. So, yeah, 1,000% he belongs. Yep, Richard, Stanislav Lobotka. Yeah, he's just uh, – he's really – I mean, last year he was good, but this year he's come to another level. And I think he's he's – on that elite level, at least how he's played this season, right? And Agisa alongside him, both of them are just phenomenal together. But I think Labotka, what we've seen, at least in the bigger games, is that he's really coming to the forefront. And usually when you talk about defensive midfielder in a big game, um, if you don't talk about that, it means they're probably doing a good performance. But the fact that you're mentioning him is because he's doing so well, not only shutting down the best you know midfielders from the opposition or their attackers, he's kickstarting the offense, he's getting involved in the offense as well. Not only is he a deep line playmaker, but he, he will get into the box and, and get his opportunities as well. Um, not like Ben Asir, very good vision of the ball. Uh, I am just so uh flabbergasted at the, the talent this guy has, and he continues to get better and better every week. And you see, it's also in Champions League, too. We've seen him against Liverpool and some of these other teams. He just steps up to whatever game it is, and he doesn't care. And so, Labotka, absolute no-brainer for me in the midfield. Yep. I mean, so he just went with two midfielders that work well to keep their keep their midfields glued together as best they possibly can and performed really well. Let's get to a guy who, you know, a few years ago was being talked about as a, you know, 100 million, 150 million plus midfielder, and then things tapered off. And then under the guidance of Maurizio Sarri, he has just become so dynamic and he's become the midfielder that we all thought that he should have been all along for several years just, you know, to – He's taken the dip. He's come back up. He, he, you can argue, <clears throat> you can argue that he deserves a place at the table among the best midfielders in Europe at the moment. Richard Sergei Milinkovic Savic of Lazio is having an outstanding season. Yeah, I mean, you talk about five tool player. This guy's got all the tools, and he's tall, so he can. He's fucking excellent uh, from the headers. This guy is just a, a really great player, smart player, sees the pitch so well. And, oh, by the way, he can score some goals. He can score some bangers. He scored a nice goal today against Milan. He scores all the time off of headers. He plays in the big matches. He always seems to step up and score against Inter or Milan or, or Juventus in these in these big games. Um, he knows how to control that midfield, uh, especially when, at times, when Luis Alberto wasn't always in the starting 11, he was the guy who was supposed to be controlling the play, and he would always be the main guy, the main focus for, for Lazio to kind of kickstart that offense and get the ball to ultimately to Immobile. And so... Uh, SMS has been just so influential for Lazio and the reason why they're they're so high up at the table at the moment. And um, it's just, the like you said, he is becoming the player that we thought he should have been the whole time. And um, you can see now why many teams are starting to look at him once again. It's because this guy has all the tools, 
that could make a um, world class midfielder. Uh, and he's just showing a game in, game out this year, and uh, absolutely has to be in the starting 11. Yeah, five tool is a great way to describe it, Richard, because when you have a midfielder of his size, right, someone who's got the build of an elite number nine who also has his range and his work rate. It's like a cheat code. And he's really put it all together under Saturday's system. And, you know, when you can have someone who can help pick up a goal scoring load when, you know, you're without your prolific scoring number nine, uh, the way Latsu is right now without Cheeto, it it really helps that you have a midfielder like this who can carry the team on his back. I mean, you know, you, you talk about Savage's size. It's why, you know, obviously he's had plenty, uh, a different player has had plenty of issues. But you think about like Pogba in his prime when he was at the peak of his powers, like his height, you exactly. know, to go along with the range and the work rate. It just wasn't fair. And, and exactly. Savic has now been able to put that. He's been able to put those factors together more consistently. Yeah. Great comparison. Plenty of other midfielders that are playing well. I mean, you can, I think Hakan Chalanolu has been good for Inter uh, this season. You can have him in this conversation. Piotr Zielinski, who we, we talked about maybe being the guy that, you know, everyone's fawning over Kabata, they're fawning over all seamen, and, and, and here's Zielinski who's pulling the strings, you know, and maybe not getting the kind of love uh, that the others are getting, and he's really stepped up and been good. That's another guy that you could probably, you know, insert into this conversation a little bit. Sandro Tonali, again, you know, to throw this game out, body of work, uh, you know, has been has been solid when he's asked to run the show in the midfield and when he's getting in those positions, you see some positive performances. Um, you're just going on the list. Cup Miners from Atalanta has, has been very good and a big part of Atalanta's success. Uh, you know, you're going to the Roma midfield, Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, you know, from a playmaking role. Plenty of guys, uh, but you can only pick three. We're comfortable from the we're comfortable with the functionality of, of what Benacer, Lobotka, and Sergei can bring to this midfield. Uh, so now let's go to the fun part, the attackers. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Alex, we'll start with you. And uh, we were talking about him a little bit earlier. Adamola Lookman of Atalanta will be one of our wingers. Uh, 11 goals and 18 appearances uh, for Ladea. He's made a great impact, a big part of why Atalanta is having a lot of success this season. You're on mute. <laughs> you're on mute again. On mute. Sorry about that. I know, what I know it's your last day and everything, but still gotta, we still got to have our standards. <laughs> when, when, you, when you can get that much goal-scoring productivity from a winger, it just adds so much to an attack. And and he he's having just a prolific season, Lookman. And it's like I, I, I'm surprised he's only got 11 goals because it seems like every time I'm I'm watching an Atalanta game or checking back on a box score, the guy has a brace. Like almost every time I see this guy play, so he absolutely belongs here. Yep. Richard, we, we we we've had a lot of superlatives about Lookman so far on this podcast. Do you want to give any more? Yeah, I mean, it's just like when we when when Atalanta hired him, we saw we saw the, the the tools this guy brought, and we thought this would fit Atalanta's system. It fits perfectly to what Gasparini does. It's the exact type of player that we thought maybe Boga also could contribute. And Boga's starting to come around now, but Lokman is contributing goals left and right, and he's playing on the left side, he's playing on the right side. He can kind of move all over the place, which is really nice for Gasparini because he has options that he can throw out there and it, and it can confuse defense because you can put Pasolich on the right or you can put uh, Bogo on the left you can put anywhere you can move these guys around and he's so versatile and the fact that he's getting goals uh, is a big thing because typically with the wingers like Alex said you typically don't get goals in the department right even Gavrashelia uh, there's only a seven goals on the season but the fact that he's got 11 goals you I mean he continues on this surge he may approach 20 goals which is ridiculous for a winger 
Uh, and so the fact that he's producing at the level he is on his first year with the team, it's 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 you got to give him kudos. He has to be on the team. He has been that good this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. A big part of Atalanta's success, as I mentioned. Let's come to the other winger, Richard. Uh, we went, we were the only ones that are not surprised by his success. Uh, knew that when he was coming to City, ah, they said oh, this guy's gonna be this guy's gonna be a stud, and he's gonna fit right in pretty quickly. Uh, and he has done so. Kvica Kvaratskhelia of Napoli, Richard gets into the only he's only played a few months in City, and he's already in the squad of Vinoda. Yeah, he's probably in the MVP hunt as well, right? Um, yeah. I mean, anything, everything we just said about Lokman, you could probably say about Harashelia. The big difference between the two players is that he brings that he's that X factor. I mean, nobody seems to know how to stop him unless you're Inter. And with the way they did, the way they defended him was magnificent, and they and they shut him down. But you can't do that every week and expect. And, and he's going to find ways. And, and Napoli are so talented, but Harashelia, he just. He can move around. He's, he yeah. is also versatile. Um, he can beat you with pace. He can beat you with uh, the passing ability. His vision is fantastic. His defensive work rate is unbelievable. I think that's a big, also a big advantage over Lookman that he has is defensively he'll come back and get the win the ball back. He wants that ball and then distribute to distribute it off to his, uh, his teammates. And so he brings so much to the table. How Rashelli does? He's he's a hungry young player. And it shows the way he plays. He he plays with complete passion, and he's scoring goals for fun. He's assisting for fun. I mean, uh, I saw a couple of interviews with him. He said he likes doing assists more because he's like set up his teammates so they can get involved. And when the whole team is involved and they're happy, he's gonna be playing, playing happy, and playing better. So I mean, he just he's the, the big X factor in the league at the moment. Uh, and how do you not have him as one of the best wingers in Europe? Yeah, and it must be especially fun to facilitate teammates when you have, you know, teammates like that and a number nine <laughs> like Osiman uh, to feed off of. So I, I don't blame him for for liking setting up teammates, and it really does make that entire Napoli squad better. And I think he does feed off of that, and, and I don't mean that to take anything away from what he's accomplished, but obviously when you're talking about a new player in a new league and a new system, it helps them integrate more quickly when you have a cohesive squad like Napoli. So that's eased his transition, but at the same time uh i i didn't have the same confidence you guys had about how quickly he would hit the ground running coming into this year that's been a pleasant surprise for me uh 15 appearances in city uh seven goals seven assists I, i'd say that 10 million that uh napoli paid for him has already uh, been returned and then some and so yeah. some. um yeah we you talk about plus valenzas can't wait to see what napoli <laughs> get you know if they yeah, ever they're, they're sell not gonna him, lose but... 15 points for that one no, they're not. They're not. They're absolutely not. So you mentioned them. Uh, you mentioned them, Alex. We're getting what we thought we would have gotten last year in his first season under Spalletti, but injuries hampered him. But now he's been healthy, and a healthy Victor Osimhen is bad for the rest of Serie A. Thirteen goals through nineteen matches. Capo uh, Cagliari only by two now because uh, yeah. Lookman's on his heels. But uh, man, what a what a first half of the season for him. Yeah, he's he's a unicorn because he's just so fluid on the ball, uh, great off the ball. The movement is excellent. He's he's just so athletic and so talented. You know, you talk about the injuries. Honestly, for what the previous uh, two seasons he's been at Napoli, that that that's been the only issue that he's had. Like the only issue that he's had is a lack of consistency that comes from getting hurt, and some of it has just been fluke stuff. I mean, you get your orbital bone broken when you're going up for a header it's like that that's not the sort of thing where you can say this is an injury prone player i mean anybody's face can get broken if you collide with the wrong head at the wrong time which happened yeah. to him and cost him a lot of time last season so 
I'm not going to call him injury prone. I'm going to call him unlucky the last couple of years. And now that you see what he can do when he's on the pitch consistently, because, you know, every time you come back from an injury, it takes a little time to get your fitness and your rhythm back. He's not had to go through that this year. He's been able to establish a rhythm throughout the entire season. And it's not surprising to see him on a couple kind of uh, pace right now because of that. Yeah, it's uh, you, you liken him to a unicorn, and I like that. I, I like to look at him as like a gazelle because he is so effortless mm. when he wants when he runs. Um, and it doesn't seem like he's trying, but he is so much faster than everybody else. Graceful just, is what he is. Graceful, yep. yes, and and that's only just a facet of his game. His um, ability to score goals, obviously, is fantastic. He's got thirteen goals, but he knows how to read the game so well. This one of the things that makes Chido Immobile so good is his reading of the game and being in the right place at the right time. Osimhen has that. You know, the elite strikers have that. You look at the top five, you know, uh, strikers in the world. They all have this innate talent where they can read the ball. They know where it's going to be. They know where the ball is going to bounce to, and they get there. They score. Look at his goal today, right? It gets deflection, gets right there, right spot, and puts it away. Um, he reads the game so well, uh, and this is adds everything else. He knows how to play off teams. He can hold up the ball. He's remarkably strong for his for his thin frame. Um, he knows how to use his wingers. Uh, he does it all, really. He also backtracks as well, kind of very much like Havrashelia, and so – uh, there's nothing this guy can't do, and he just seems to be getting better and better with the league. And we had this conversation early in the year, like, you know, would you want to see him a bigger frame, maybe like a Duvan Zapata or some one of these bigger guys? Uh, and it's no, because his frame is perfect what he yeah. does, and he he can still do everything those guys can do, and, and he's got a lightning speed, right? And so this guy That's, just does yeah. it all. Uh, that that's the thing. If if he was bigger, he would lose the speed. I mean, maybe if he was bigger, he could have more durability. But again, the bigger guys tend to have more muscular injuries, so maybe that wouldn't even. He's, I think he's fine the way he is. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't need to give any more endorsement to all seamen that you guys have already given. I just would be regurgitating what you guys are saying. Um, so. I would uh, look at the guys that we didn't pick in this because there's still plenty of quality guys. Matias Akanyi, chief among them of Lazio, misses out on this front three. He's been excellent. Uh, you can talk about Chiro Immobile also when fit. Um, his, his doing his usual stuff uh, for Lazio. Um, you know, and, and, and a shock to a guy we talked about last week, Richard Mbala and Zola of uh, Spezia, nine yeah. goals. Uh, in 19 games, really helping keep Spezia afloat. Yep. Uh, Rafael Leao has been has been strong. Did yep. clunker today, unfortunately, but uh, you know certainly put him in the conversation and the the strikers for Inter, uh, Lataro and and Jekyll in particular, um, all uh, all certainly deserve some honorable mention. Uh, but the front three really hard to. Uh, crack that production uh, that we've seen so far. Uh, so that's our squadra finora in goal. Wojciech Chesney, back four, Di Lorenzo, Itzo, uh, Kim Jai, and Federico Di Marco, midfield of Ishmael Benesser, Stanislav, Stanislav Lobotka, and Sergei Milinkovic Savic, and our front three, Kvica Kvaracskelia, Victor Osimen, Adamola Lukman. We'd, we'd win a bunch of games with that, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Not if Allegri's our manager. <laughs> this is true. Lobotka would be playing. Lobotka would be playing right wing. He also would be left playing back. center back. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man, we'll have fun. At, we'll have a little more fun at U.S. expense here momentarily. Let's just get to the transfers here, guys. Uh, nothing has changed uh, in terms of actually anything concrete and in terms of arrivals since the last time uh, Richard and I hammered this out. Looks like a couple more additions. Uh, to Spezia, but nothing that uh, 
really grabs your attention. Um, Salernitana grabbing Trosti Kong, who used to play for Udinese, but he was at Watford, that whole Udinese-Watford incestuous thing that the Pozzos have going on. Um, so uh, I see Marco Benassi has joined uh, Cremonese on loan from Fiorentina, part of the initiative to maybe help Fior- Cremonese get whatever points they can to to get out. So nothing earth shattering, but the rumors that are hitting and the chief among them uh, talks going between Milan and Roma with Nicola Zaniolo going to Milan. Um, it sounds like Milan want to offer between 18 to 20 Roma want 35 to 40. I don't know why Roma thinks he's worth 35 to 40 with all the, I get it because of the talent, but with the injury proneness, I can't, I, I, if I'm Maldini, I walk away. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Zaniolo uh, and Richard. Let's start with you on this one. Um, if this happens and he's a Milan player, gauge his impact. If he's healthy, it's a big impact. He's a yeah. ph- phenomenal talent. The question has always been his durability, right? If you if you ask me right now, do I want an injury prone Zaniolo versus uh, Salamakers and Messias? You know, at least with Salamakers and Messias, I know they're going to be there. They're going to be available. Um, and Zaniolo, we don't know that, but when he's there and he's healthy, he is no doubtably more talented than Salamakers and Messias combined. Now, the best case scenario is they keep Salamakers and Messias and then add Zaniolo, and then that way, if he does get injured, you still have Salamakers and Messias, and you're, you're where you were at before. Um, but I think Zaniolo does have that ability to, if he can stay healthy, and we know how Milan Labs' uh, history has been, it's not that great, but if he can some way stay healthy. It provides a almost a mirror of what Leao is able to provide on the left-hand side. Gives them that, that talented option that can attack one-on-one uh, and has that pace and has a counter ability, right? And and it would bring so much to Milan again. So it's it's almost if they can get that value or the price more reasonable, I think from Roma, then it's it's why not go for it? You know, take, take a chance. Uh, if he gets injured, then you still have like you still have Salamakers and Messias, but. Um, yeah, it's it's hard with him because again, it's unlike Osiman. Osiman's been very unlucky, as Alex said. Sanyol has massive injuries to his knees. I mean, areas yeah. that they don't get better as you get older, and right. so that's always the question mark with him. And I I hope he does whether he say goes to Milan or Roma or wherever he stays healthy the rest of his career. But you know, you always have to worry with players like this that yes, they have that that stigma of injury prone, and it's for good reason. I'm probably one of those kind of players too. So uh, yeah, I, I would take him, but it's it's knowing that it could possibly fall to shit really quickly. Yeah, well, when you've <laughs> suffered two ACLs before the age of 23, it's it's a big red flag for me when the current club is asking for 35 million. I mean, it's 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 absurd. And obviously, this is the way negotiations work. You ask for way more than you're actually going to get, and then the team that wants to buy the player tries to lowball and then, you know, if, if it works out, you meet somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I also wonder if Part of that, you know, 35 plus million asking price is an Italian tax because I'm, I'm sure the way Roma looks at it is, hey, you know, this is not only a, a very talented young player, but he's Italian. Think about the marketing opportunities, how many shirts you would sell, you know, around uh, around Milan to have, you know, a young Italian player who, you know, if he can stay healthy, can be a fixture for the Azzurri moving forward as well. I, I think that that could be part of it. Uh, but uh, other than that, I agree completely with, with what Richard said. I mean, the only key for Zaniolo is staying healthy. And obviously yeah. when you've suffered as many serious lower body injuries as he has at such a young age, but then he's also very young. So if he can get over that hump, he's only 23 years old. He, he could still theoretically have a lot to give 
on the pitch. And he's more talented at, at right wing than anything you have right now. So uh, it, to me, it, it's all the key of getting him at the right price. You don't want to overpay because he could be an injury liability. But if you can get him at a price that Milan feel comfortable with, uh, there's a lot of upside there to Zaniolo. I, yeah, definitely with you guys on this. I, I, and I like Anthony's. I did, definitely not worth more than 20 to 25. I, that's about yeah. the most I'd pay for him, just given the injury history. Milan should have previous with this because they went through this with Andrea Conti, uh, you know, who tore his ACL twice. He's been a shell of himself. He can't even get into Sampdoria. Uh, you know, that's how, that's how bad it has gotten for him. So, um, you know, you never know how these guys recover. Zaniolo seems to have shown signs when he's returned. Um, but, um, but you never know when that happens again, you know, so, uh, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, at this point with how Milan have got to find a way to stretch this. And if Zaniolo is the answer, I mean, it's worth the roll. You know, I mean, if you get the right price, it's worth the roll of the dice because Messius and then the other thing is Messius, I think is at the end of his contract this year anyway. Um, you know, so it's a forward thinking thing to bring another guy in, um, you know, and, and get him in and get him acclimated now and put him into what you can see if he has an impact. But then the idea is, is that you have a layout and Zaniolo, uh, wing partnership with, you know, finding us, finding a striker. Cause who knows how much longer Giroud's going to play. Um, so, uh, so that's, so, so there's some of it behind, behind that. Uh, the only other noteworthy things that I noticed guys, I don't know what you guys caught talk to Weston McKinney, maybe leaving Juventus and, and heading to Leeds. Yeah. As as Jesse Marsh uh, continues to build the U.S. national team over there, <laughs> um, <laughs> so re- relegation then coming up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't did, didn't Venezia try to build a uh, a United States national team a while? Who they had? They had Busio, and then they had uh, the, they had the one other kid. Um, yeah, I can't even me. recall now. Yeah, it starts with a T though. Well. Yeah, so. And you, you can uh, stick up the U.S. men's national team front too, because one U.S. men's national team think they're getting Jose Mourinho somehow. I don't. That's not oh yeah, I, I saw that as well. It's uh yeah yeah. And, and then the other thing one. was also um uh oh god, what's his name? Um, Captain America, Christian Pulisic coming to Milan as well is a rumor about that. I'm like, it wouldn't work because his his attitude right at the moment would not work. And Zlatan probably kicked him in the head 55 times before the first game. <laughs> um, and yeah. so as much as talented as he is. There's a, a real issue at the moment with at least the U.S. Men's National Team players, Wes McKinney outside, aside, and even to a little to an extent, uh, yeah. where they, they think they're better than they are, and so they want to feel like they have all the leverage. And you don't. You don't. Welcome to world football. You're not, you're not as good as you think you are. And so some of these players got to kind of take a step back and realize, hey, maybe I'm not as – I should calm down on my flamboyancy and kind of just be a team player. And so if, if – if Pulisic were to come to to Milan, I don't think it would work well just because of personality-wise. It would be a very similar to Gio Reyna's going on with the U.S. men's national team right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anthony, thank you. Yes, Tessman, that's the that's the name. And then uh, Ziyech being linked to Roma. Mm. Yeah. That would be the most Milan thing to have happened to them, that Valdini <laughs> just completely <laughs> farted around with this and then Roma just go and grab him. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's uh, for cheaper, you know, for cheaper too. Yeah, for, for even for and that's that that's just it. That's usually how it works. So, um, you know, so I think it's just the lack of players coming in in January is kind of interesting right now. I mean, usually, but but historically and more often than not, you don't see the Italian teams doing a lot of business in January to begin with. I mean, there's been some rare exceptions. 
Um, you know, the year that Milan brought Zlatan back. Uh, another year where Balotelli they brought too. Balotelli. Yeah, when Inter brought Erickson in, that was that was a surprise. Yep, R nine. I mean, there. And, and if, if it's yeah, yeah, and it's and it's usually it's if it's a superstar like that, there's a there's a cheap way to get them. Um, uh, more more often than not. So um, so it's not terribly alarming. I mean, you Milan Twitter. A lot of them are complaining that Maldini's not doing any business in January. Nobody's doing any business right now. Yeah, so. usually, usually Italian clubs in January they start negotiating for summer buys. That, that's that's I don't know. That's just always the way. I, over the last couple of years, I guess Calcio fans become more impatient. You want everything in January, but usually, usually the sporting directors in Italy are talking about the summer prices in January. It's usually how exactly, exactly. So uh, let's touch on Juventus here. Um, Fifteen point deduction. Uh, for their uh, plus Valenza scandal, um, basically they just overinflated sale prices of players that they sold. Um, you know, and uh, basically, I think it. I think it basically ignites some of this. Ignites the debate is who gets to decide what the player is actually worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And, uh, and how do they, how do they come to that? So, um, it's the difference between the reported sale price and the market price. Uh, and I believe that if I understand this right, did, did Juventus, they get the sale price on the player and then they exaggerated the market price so that they could have more of a capital gain than what they actually should have had. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way I understand it. So. A lot of people want to use TransferMarkt as as the example. It's like it's a website that it's also estimating. It's not the actual valuation yeah. of a player, so you can't really use that. Though it may be somewhat accurate, you have kind of, we all have a kind of idea what a player should be valued at, right? Um, and Juventus really took advantage of this, and they're not the only ones. They're not. Yeah. They're not right. Napoli are also with the Osimhen deal. There was everyone's got their eyes on that, and that's been uh, that case has been pushed for six months and. It's it's odd. I, I can see why Juventus are mad because why is that deal pushed off the side? Because that could have a big impact on the Scudetto race, right? Um, and they push it off to the end of the season, so then you know whatever happens happens. Well, that was the a case where they bought him and they bought him for a huge amount. Yeah, it was like uh, ninety million, seventy-eight yeah. million, and that they but haven't the players sold him involved. Yet, so but the players involved right. never even went to Lille, and there's all this other shady stuff like Juventus. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. Napoli not out of the waters yet, but Juventus yeah. have done this for a long time. And Mirla Pianis has swapped deal with Artur Melo. Um, they had so many other deals uh, with Geno over the years. Many guys with the guys you never even heard of getting sold for twenty million dollars. Like, wait, 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 yeah. what? What? Who? Uh, and so, no, are they the only only ones doing this? Absolutely not. But they've been so like not caring what other people think when they do it. And 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 Juventini now are just being like, oh, what? It's all, all us. Everyone's against us. It's like, okay, calm the fuck down. It's like you're not. It, <laughs> you you've been known to do this for a long time, and you just got caught on doing this and. People want to start banning, like, you know, Syrian, this and that. Like, calm the fuck down. It's like, that's a little over-exaggeration at this point. Um, you got caught red-handed, own up to it. Uh, the team responded very well on the pitch, which you would expect. But, uh, yeah, it's they had so many. It was, at least from what I remember, when I first announced it in November, it was over the last two seasons they were really scrutinizing rural football, and in particular yeah. Juventus, because they had 
an absorbent amount of transactions where they kind of inflated the prices. I mean, Barcelona's involved in this as well. There's several teams involved. Yeah. And several Serie A teams. Kievo, Verona of all teams is involved in this. Napoli, like I mentioned. And um, But Juventus has done it the most. And so they obviously had all the eyes on them. And um, there's a reason why the, the big wigs all left Serie A, you know, just in time before this is announced. Because well, the new it, it, and, and the other thing, like, if you look at the reason why this was happening just so blatantly with Juventus, why they were just more shameless with this, apparently. And I think that's why they're the first. And as of right now, the only team who's been punished for it. We'll see what else happens. I think this all stems from the Ronaldo deal. I, mean, I think it became very clear yes. when, when they acquired Cristiano for what was it, a uh, hundred million. Uh, and they, not only that, but they, they paid him that the, the salary that he was making. He got paid like that's the most of salary, right? Too. Yeah, which is like... I, I think it was 60 million gross, 30 million net, uh, which is, you know, obviously a, uh, an extremely high payroll that they they've been playing catch up on that for the last several years. And you also yeah. you, know, you had the issue of the the alleged pay cuts during covid that apparently they didn't really cut pay. They just stopped reporting the extra pay for tax reasons and they were paying the difference under the table, allegedly. Yeah. So there was a lot. And I, I think most of this, guys, and yes, the inflated plus Valenza, I admit they happen all over Italy and I'm sure they happen in, in other leagues as well. I don't follow the other leagues as closely as I follow Serie A, but yeah, I think the fact that Juventus were, were so blatant about it, I, I think they were just playing financial catch-up for the past four years after the Ronaldo deal. Yeah. You're just trying to stay within a number that keeps you close to the the income that you have to spend. Right. It's like I, I may get a speeding ticket if I'm driving 20 miles per hour over. If I'm driving six miles per hour over, I won't, right? I mean, you know, that uh, right. you, you, you can you can break a rule, but break analogy. it to a point where, you know, you're not so obvious that that cop doesn't have to give you the ticket. Yeah. Is Italian football really in trouble if Juventus takes this 15-point penalty and is suddenly no. not in Europe? I don't think so either. I mean, the, the last time Juventus got punished, uh, Italy won a World Cup. Yeah. 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 And um, it lost, it, it may lose a little bit of market appeal because the biggest brand is going to be in a bit of struggle for a while. Um, but I don't think it dies like some of these people are saying, especially Juve Twitter. They're all saying Syria is better with a strong Milan, strong Juventus, strong Inter. Yeah. Yes. If Inter gets, uh, excuse me, if Juventus uh, are with a big financial or, or, Point deduction will that hurt them? Hurt them? Yes. Will it hurt the league? No, because fortunately for Serie A, Serie A is really good product at the moment. Lazio is doing well. Roma is doing well. Atalanta are doing well. Um, and would it hurt the league? No. But it, it yes, in the in the big scheme of European football and stuff like that, yeah, it, that'll hurt in the optics, like you said, because the big three are the big three, and that's what really drives Serie A in terms of world recognition right people know who juventus are they're not going to necessarily know who atalanta are uh, or you know i don't know some of these other smaller clubs but uh it's not going to really hurt the league i don't i i don't think so no no so we'll but we will see um you know we'll see what this you know we'll see what it does i mean you know if if, if italy want to really improve their league if italy really want to improve their league then then do something about the stadiums yeah. Um, they know, don't. do That's something the about the do something about the infrastructure, um, you know, do something about those things uh, to, to try to make Italy a more appealing place to, you know, for your clubs to play. But they just they continue not to. So and then the ones that are trying to do it, the ones that are trying to do it, there's this snag that they hit or there's that snag that they hit. So it's yeah. just it's you know, it's just going to be it's you know, it's, it's going to kind of be pulling teeth. So 
What you just need is you're going to need a new generation of leadership that just has a more progressive way of thinking than the, you know, than the old farts that are running the show now and just do continue to do things the old way because that's the way they've always been done. So, um, it's just, uh, it's just the way it is. So, um, but hey, you know, and we'll see how, how he would be evolved. I mean, I think that they just have to play, if they play, they've, they've got the players now to try to, to try to make up for some of this and, We'll see what they do with Europa League, and we talked about this earlier. Maybe Europa League becomes a priority because now that becomes their lone path That's to true. getting to the Champions League if this if this penalty hits. Well, let me ask you this: like the the one of the big stinks that Juventini have, you know, it's always everyone's against us, everyone hates us. You, Nedved has said this numerous times on television, right? But the one the one rumor is that, and I think it's more fact, is that uh, the wife of one of the one of the big people figc posted on instagram the the juventus symbol with the minus 15 as a j and a or j5 or whatever uh, <laughs> wow. that was a big thing that juventini kind of set them off they were like i didn't see, see figc is against us uh and so that's why we should we should we should boycott dozen we should boycott city wow. our subscriptions that was a big thing because they're like see the league is against us it proves that the wife of the uh, one of the board members of figc hates us and they're she's flaunting that juventus are minus 15 it's like okay yeah i get that it's funny it's Really poor choice of 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 posting things. Where you you know you should know better. She's and, my hero, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Adriano in the chat says it was uh, Gravina's wife. Gravina's wife, it? yes, yes. If, and, if she wasn't already married, and if I wasn't already married, I'd make a run. But this is still not a reason for making the gripes that they say they're going to gripe. And I, and I, you know, it is what it is, I guess. But God, it's, it's funny. It's, it's Italian drama. It, it's absolutely was. It's like what we, we remember from the Berlusconi days and culture open and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's city. is going to do city. Like Alex Lee, uh, Michael Lisi said like uh, last week or the week before. City yep. is going to be city. you know, that is for sure. So, Oh man. I mean, let's just uh, keep it going with the comedy of the, 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 the comedy <laughs> and the hilarity of everything and uh, move segue into the world's most popular hashtag game who won calcio twitter richard take it away all right let me uh get into this here so uh uh who was the sanso uh sansoni napoli sansoni said uh uh twitter milan fans this is a good signing at points of Brasilia. and then michael lisa replied with foi here's what the scudetto looks like and with uh Mignon, <laughs> the signing of the of the year last year for milan so true it's uh, great zing. All right, uh, Violismo, who has been on a tear of late. Uh, me right now. It's Luciano. <laughs> oh, is that my old pal Moji? <laughs> nice. Wow. That's nice. from the uh, that's from the Bad Sport documentary series on Netflix. I was gonna say uh, I didn't know Moji was a TikTok star. You, you learn new things every day. There you go. Yeah, that was from. Um, so yeah, that was from Bad Sport, and in one of their episodes from their series was Calciopoli and everything that centered around it, and, and Moji being at the center of it. Nice, wow. nice. Uh, Napoli's in the thick of these things these days, and uh, Calcio Turkey says. Uh, uh, look at the translation. I don't read Turkish. Uh, Napoli's New Jersey after point penalty to the Juventus, <laughs> and it has the standings with Juventus minus 15 under oh, Napoli oh, Jersey. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's a good one. Calcio Turkey right now might be the uh, leader in the clubhouse, yeah. but Saturn Yon is going to have something to say about it because when that got handed down, plus 16 points ahead of this incredible Juventus team, yet they still doubt him. Pioli, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> certo, certo. 
Uh, all right, moving on. Next, uh, this comes from uh, Mark Tix. It's at Mark Tix 97. Pablo Neves is the only player in history of football to have experienced two scandals in the same club, both as a player and a manager. Oh, Ouch. Is true. Strong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Juventus heading back to Serie B like the ultimate warrior coming down to rescue Hogan. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That was All from right. our friend underscore Neratsuri. Big show coming through oh, again. Big show. Big show. Is the man. 2. The good fellas. <laughs> <laughs> This some hooker great. and some hooker and <laughs> That is amazing. Oh my god. This is too much long. You gotta watch it all, but it's great. And let's see the other names over here. I gave Jimmy the tip, and he gave me some Christmas money. Over to the guys who stole. You gotta watch this. The whole thing is two minutes of pure gold. That is yeah. hilarious. That's the leader of the clubhouse right there. Yeah, easy, easy leader in the clubhouse. Uh, okay, at AC Matt ninety three. This is the guy who thinks I don't know anything about football, uh, oh. but he did put in a pretty good entry here. Uh, Juventus fans uh, riding their bike, committing financial fraud, putting the uh, stick in the in the wheel. <laughs> Fucking city, <huh? laughs> Nice. That is solid. Uh, this is what Gravina's wife posted here. Uh, Juve oh, Canale wow. posted this again. It's Ibarra Francesca, the wife of Gabriela Gravina, the president of FIG, posted this on Instagram. There you go. And it's, uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, to be to be fair to her, she's stating fact. Like, she probably thought it's very important for me as the wife of the in case you missed it. There's yeah, in case you missed it, this, <laughs> this is the official ruling. I, I see nothing wrong. She's trying uh, to share it with her social media accounts. Yeah. I think that's very, uh, responsible. Noble. Yes. Okay. So, uh, at Simo Tarantino, Calma. The creativity of that, oh it gets a lot God. of points for me. Calma, calma, calma. Calm down. Calma. All right. We like that one. All right, next one here is uh, Juventus when they find the person responsible for all their troubles. Oh, <laughs> I saw this one. That is fantastic. A new definition of infighting. I feel like they could have also used uh, Tyler Durden in Fight Club. That would have yes. made me laugh even more if it yes. was uh, if it was just uh, what's his name just punching himself in the face. That could have worked. It could have. Our friend George at Jersey SoCal, uh, he's been in the chat today. Uh, I heard that the Juve fan shop is having a 15% off sale. <laughs> the GIF of Barzali. 15 points off. I missed that one. I don't know. I can't find that. I don't see that one. But hey, okay, good for George. Good for George. Uh, moving on, I'm going to go with uh, Kilpin with the next one. Seen a lot of tweets about Serie A dying in light of recent events, but then you have a mid-table team giving Atalanta such a good game, and honestly, the league is strong to me. Let's see. Uh, Gillis15 underscore. Uh, uh, oh, with the uh, Juventus School one. of Accounting. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Oh, that's good. Burning the books. Burning the books. Cooking the books. Yeah. Uh, 
This is, you can't write this stuff up here. Uh, and Sansoni says you can't actually can't write this up. Yeah, Brighton Brighton Bible says uh, Brighton have a bid for twenty five million dollars for Nicola Zagnolo. But look at the picture. That's not Nicolo Zagnolo. Oh, That's Patrick, Patrick Schick. Patrick oh, Schick. wow. <laughs> oh, my god. That is hilarious. Whoops. Uh, whoops. Uh, okay, Villalismo, minus 27 down Napoli. Allegri celebrating. I love it. Oh, okay, where are we at now? Where are we at now? Okay, uh, Luigi ASR. It's Mourinho con el de la Roma. We turn back. Oh, that's good. All right. Let's see. So now moving on. Uh... <laughs> Sticker Jenny. Zaniola room is getting stronger. He's not I want to be alive. He's not on board. He's not on board with Zaniola and Elon, I guess. I just want to die. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, breaking news. This comes from Fino Alfine 282. Inter will appeal the result of the Epola game to the FIGC. Zhang believes his side should be awarded three points because they showed up to the field and they comply with the financial regulations. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the three points. Oh, that's good. All right. And finally, we oh, we have two more. Okay. So second last one. Uh, uh, Ligulia is uh, in for the first time, and it is uh, uh, Sonera Maldini. So you want to go to a real day. party? What Maldini dreams about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in reference to that Titanic, of course. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's traumatizing. And then the last one, Henry <laughs> Bell uh, at Henry Bell Calcio. Uh, so the original tweet was Napoli Club Nigeria says uh, Murray Uri and all his charm. And so he says uh, he really looks like he could be in a 1970s movie about a Vietnam vet's returning home, which makes us all question if the government and the state is really looking after us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. gosh. That, that is the most incredibly specific description I've ever seen. Points for that. Yes, yes, absolutely. This was a last week was a mad week for uh, who won Calcio Twitter. This was a strong week. Yeah, it, got a, it, it has to be said. Not yeah. on Alex's last day with us, you guys came through. Thank you very Thank much. You guys. So, uh, Alex, yeah. we'll give you the honor of picking the winner. I mean, I I gotta go with my guy, Big Show, with with the uh, with the Goodfellas scene. I think so. That was I very well played. Yeah, I think that a I close second. I think a close second is going to be the I just want to die video. There were so Angela many rumors ones. getting stronger. There were so many good ones. The, but, the, the, the Titanic one just traumatized me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But the Big Show. I mean, the Goodfellas. How do you not? Oh, go that was brilliant. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't want to get copyright strikes. So I'll just play the video without the music. But uh, yeah, yeah. Dude, big, big show, big show has been trolling before some of you guys were even born. Like he, he has been. Uh, he's. I remember that the first time I became aware of this big show on Twitter, he used to troll Napoli like six, seven years ago when when like pictures came out of Napoli's Christmas party and it looked really depressing. And so he he would like he would post like depressing party gifts for my and yeah, I'm, I'm just a big fan of that dude <laughs> <laughs> all right and, Str and uh stinker jenna is the uh is the runner-up huh yeah, yeah yeah okay oh love that all right well 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 frank is tweeting that out alex this is uh 
your last uh, full-time day with us. Uh, let people know where they can follow you and what you're going to be up to here uh, going forward. Well, at first of all, I want to, because in case anyone wasn't listening to or watching the first few minutes of the episode, I want to reiterate again, huge thank you to Frank and Richard. And I'm also going to send a thank you to Jerry Mancini as well, who has uh, been a Calcio podcasting partner of mine since 2020. We started a little bit before the pandemic started. Uh, I, I consider all of you guys to be like family, and I've enjoyed so much talking culture with you guys. The reason why I'm taking a step back is I've I've got so many responsibilities right now covering American sports that I don't feel like I can give Serie A coverage the time that it deserves and the time I deserve to give it to produce content every week. So I'm going to be taking a step back from it. Um, and, you know, I want to thank everyone. And I'm still going to be, you know, tweeting some nonsense during intergames and stuff like that. So keep following me on Twitter at Alex Dono. And, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, if you want to watch the work that I do covering uh, American football, you can check it out. Locked on Canes. And I, I do uh, writing for uh, Sports Illustrated on the All Hurricanes page. And, again, huge thank you, Frank and Richard. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't, uh, I couldn't devote more time and be with you guys for longer than I did. But I, I appreciate you guys so much. And thank you for the opportunities. We enjoyed having you for the uh, short time you were with us. So, uh, and that doesn't mean you can't be a guest. Of the, as you said, you can't be a guest at some point. We want to talk sir. a little inter. We can have you on board. But no, oh, some, some pretty good ventures you're getting into there, and uh, we're we're happy for you. So, thank you. Uh, if you want to write for our website, you're more than welcome to. Oh yeah, that's a good shout as well. Um, if if I want to uh, to write a few venting words, I, I will uh, I will I will take that under consideration. Please go. do, please do. Yes, so. And with all that, we're putting a bow on this edition of City A Sit Down. Um, Richard is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Alex is at Alex Dunno. Did you see there? I'm at FTC underscore 21. City A Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is City A Sit Down. Uh, if you are watching us here on the YouTube channel for the first time, please subscribe and please drop a like uh, and hit that notification bell. This way you will know uh, when we go live on future broadcasts or if you even do video drops, which uh, we've been known to do here from time to time. So um, uh, at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram for the social media part of it. Uh, a little bit of Facebook, not a whole lot of time. We're not spending a whole lot of time there, but. You know, if you if you put something on our Facebook page, we might respond. So, but chances are you're going to get a better response from us if it's Twitter or Instagram. Um, and uh, that is about it. Website update, Richard. We're getting close to a launch, or where are we at? Yes, yes. Uh, probably be uh, this weekend. Okay. So that you'll have to look forward to, and we will uh, release that out on the. Uh, uh, out in the social media airwaves when that is uh, ready to go. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, ranting a, a few blog entries as well. So, um, and then Dino coming in saying, me lunch at Sound when play new goalkeeper Vasquez, change formation to 4-3-3. I think we agree on that. So, all right. So that is it uh, for Alex, for Richard. I'm Frank. Uh, thank you all for listening. Everybody in the chat, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, certainly appreciate all of the input and all of the takes. Uh, and we will uh, catch up with you next time. And until then, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.